Hi, everyone. I'm Mackie Craven, a partner here at OpenView. As a VC firm, we invest in business software companies at the expansion stage and work closely with their teams to help them build large and enduring businesses. This season of Build is dedicated to a topic we've become increasingly passionate about, product-led growth. Each week, I sit down with leaders from PLG companies to find out about what it took to build and scale their businesses, advice they would give their younger selves, and some pretty fun and surprising facts along the way. Now, on with the show. On this episode of Build, I had a chance to chat with Postman's co-founder and CEO, Abhinav Asthana. He was inspired to build the company because of a personal pain point and strives to minimize time to value and keep the product as simple as possible. Abhinav shares his perspective on mapping metrics to values and why working to prove yourself wrong may lead to better outcomes than seeking out the data that supports your hypothesis. Abhinav, thank you for joining me and you today on Build. It's been wonderful you know, getting to know you over several years and seeing you continue to build and grow Postman. For our listeners that aren't familiar with the company, can you describe a little bit about what you're building and about Postman? Absolutely. Thank you for having me here, Mackie. You know, being a big fan of the podcast as well as like the books and the blog, (laughs) essentially in all its forms. I've learned a lot, so it's great to be here. You know, Postman is an API dev environment. We help developers, you know, build, test, document, and, you know, just generally work with APIs faster and better. We help them do that in a collaborative, real-time environment. We grew as a REST client that I wrote in 2012, kind of as a side project. And from that point onwards, it's kind of grown to a community of more than 7 million users across the globe. And along the way, we have raised like two rounds of funding. We started the company in 2014. And you know now we are 150 employees across San Francisco and Bangalore, as well as several cities across the world. Yeah, the scale is incredible, particularly the reach into the developer community. One of the things you mentioned is it started as a REST client. I mean, ultimately, what was the problem you were looking to solve when you first set out to build that client? And why did you decide to tackle the problem and build what's become Postman? So the REST client project kind of came about from a personal pain point of mine on working with APIs. So I have been a developer since I was in school. So I used to build applications, you know, these are primarily web applications, stuff on PHP, you know, ActionScript, Flash, and then it graduated to building single page applications for things I did in college. And from there, I went to Yahoo Bangalore to kind of work on one of their teams as an intern there. And I kind of found out that all the stuff that I was building, as well as the stuff that they were building, was all based on APIs. And APIs were kind of like this glue between kind of the back end of a code base and the front end of a code base. But nobody really kind of like, you know, thought about it as much as probably I did because of the challenges that I encountered. So, you know, when you're working with APIs, you need to get, you know, the right documentation for it. You need to figure out how it works or not. So kind of I had this set of experiences that, you know, resulted in, you know, seeing lots of friction at Yahoo in 2010. And from that point, I went to found this company called Teleport Me, where we were like a much smaller company, but still, you know, we were building applications for Android, for the iPhone, for the web. And we kind of had this one API, which would power all these applications. But, you know, the applications themselves were like in in all of these front ends. So kind of found out that 
developers would typically write their own client, they would build their own tooling, and everybody was doing that. And the experience was like very convoluted, you had to learn a lot, and you would fail a lot. And I decided, you know, to kind of try this out to see if, you know, I could build something which would be more convenient to me. And and that's how it kind of started. And as you continue to develop, not just the product, but the company, what are the design principles that you've had for the business as you've grown Postman? So we often go back to kind of, you know, that period in time where we were like the first consumers of the Postman product. Like we kind of had that lens that we have tried to bake in into, you know, the product through company stories, through design principles that our design team follows. You know, one of the things that we always followed was to kind of keep the product really, really simple. You know, if you're coming into Postman to send a request, you know, we want you to do that job like really, really quickly. And we want to make sure that we don't overload the experience with kind of too many things and people really get that first unit of value quickly. From that point onwards, we looked at once people are hooked on actually getting their work done, what are the other points at which you know they want the product to either go forward to let them do more things with API development or they want to integrate with like you know other workflows or other things they do. I'd say the second principle that became was the kind of like this very community-driven, user-driven feedback loop where we would try to observe what's going on, what are the things people are doing in the product, bake that back into additional flows, and then you know go on and on. And from that point onwards, I think today we have like a full suite of API tooling, a full set of you know API collaboration tools that work together very harmoniously. And kind of like two overarching principles we had about the Postman product came from the observations that you know we again had as developers. The first one was that you know developers really don't have the right tools when they're working with APIs. They repurpose existing tools to work with APIs. And a lot of these tools that are sold by other vendors are sold to like specific functional areas of companies. And we didn't want that. We saw APIs as a thing that could be built in one tool or be used in one tool. So that was kind of like the overarching principle around it. And then the second bit was seeing that as these tools were designed for like specific use cases or were kind of, you know, hacked together, they really didn't lend themselves to like faster collaboration, which meant that, you know, teams really didn't talk to each other very well. So we wanted to solve that through all the collaboration tooling that we built. So, you know, kind of keeping like simplicity in mind, making sure that we really listen to users, you know, bake their feedback back into the product cycle, and then making sure that these two principles are generally met whenever we are designing something, helped us continuously innovate and, you know, build more and more of the Postman experience. That's great to hear, obviously. Focusing on simplicity and an incredibly fast time to value, right? Allowing a user to get the job done they want to get done, but then having the sort of depth and capability both around other workflows and use cases as well as collaboration, you know, makes a ton of sense. As you've thought about these design principles for the product, how, if at all, have they influenced your design principles for the company and the organization, right? The group of people that focus on building, delivering the product and, you know, empowering the community, users, and end customers. So this is something that I'd say we have kind of learned over time. And I think, you know, it's kind of like this hard-earned experience, I'd say, in a way. 
So I think, you know, once I started out, I believe that we kind of got the core of the product right. You know, like it works well for, you know, me, it works well for people around me, it works well for the immediate community I see. And now I need to kind of, you know, bring in more functional expertise. So I'm going to get like the best designer, I'm going to get like the best marketer, and I'm going to get like the best, you know, X person who will take this forward. And kind of what we realized was that people basically bring their own mental models from like, you know, the respective disciplines they have, and they don't really gel well with what resonates with your community and your product and your customer base. So that realization kind of slowly grew over time. And then what we realized was, you know, kind of like those initial thoughts we had, like how we kind of built the first few versions of the product were, in fact, like the right way to think about, you know, building Postman. They might not be applicable to other products, but those principles were the right way to build, you know, Postman as a product as well as as a company. So kind of, you know, we started looking at baking, you know, data-driven decision-making to our design teams, data-driven decision-making to our marketing really kind of having that balance of like empathy and data, which we had while building the product. I think, you know, we've kind of built that as a cultural principle inside the company. We also realized that we were kind of building a very bottoms up business, which meant that every function had to be conscious about a value that they're delivering, about every interaction they have you know, with our users and customers, whether it's within the product or outside of product. So one example of that was our support team. So initially, you know, the three Postman founders, including me, used to do support. So we'd handle our Zendesk instance, you know, we'd push a release and customer request would come in and we'll answer that and then we'll put a patch. And, you know, when we started building our proper support team, one of the first points was, hey, should we get rid of support for our free users? And it felt like everybody else, you know, only supported paid users. So we should do that as well. And I think we tried that for a bit and then it didn't work because like we started seeing odd effects everywhere. And then we realized, no, 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 what we are doing in the beginning, really kind of respecting our users, you know, really supporting them through their journey of using Postman is the right principle. And then we kind of oriented the whole support team to, you know, support all of our users. And the same way we kind of realized that for every function that we ended up, you know, building at Postman, carrying into like, you know, developer relations, you know, our education efforts, our advocacy efforts, product marketing and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's still a journey. We're still learning a lot, but we feel like that core culture that the team had has to be maintained and propagated through every function. There's something in what you said that really stood out to me, right? This idea of being clear that you're, you know, both delivering value before you capture value, right? And being focused exactly on the value that each team is delivering to the end user and to the end community. And also thinking about, right, the success of the customer and, and obviously putting the idea of customer success way ahead of sales are kind of two of the key pillars that we've seen in, you know, the most successful product-led growth companies. And it sounds like you sort of came to those through first principles, looking at your own user base, your own customer base, and living it. As you think about sort of the idea of product-led growth, what does that mean to you and mean for Postman? So I came across, I think, the term through OpenView. I think when I found it, I was like, you know, somebody's kind of describing a lot of things that we seem to be doing. And it was very refreshing and, you know, kind of like very interesting to see that, you know, kind of like you feel like you are the only odd one out. And if you kind of see things from our perspective, we you know started the company in Bangalore, there were no peers kind of around us. And then when we came to the Bay Area, there were no immediate peers around us because, you know, the enterprise sales led model was kind of very different. So I think once I came across 
the term itself and I saw the philosophies behind it and I saw like other companies also practicing that, then I think it made a lot of sense. Like we arrived at all of these conclusions, you know, just by putting, you know, the product out, uh, learning from our community. And it just made a lot of sense, you know, like the product led growth models lead to fundamentally better products. You know, they are designed for the end user first rather than being designed for, you know, the buyer who is going to deploy it over probably you know, six months, and then you kind of, you know, come to a renewal cycle, and then you're thinking about whether somebody actually used the product. In this case, you really care about who's using it, how are they using it, is the actual work getting done or not. So I think just from a very fundamental point of view about building the product, it made a lot of sense. I think what was very interesting to me was that you could be product-led in terms of the business model as well, like how that affects the marketing function, how it affects the sales function like you know in postman we have a customer success team instead of like you know sales team and we kind of you know saw that other product-led companies also do that you know atlassian kind of comes to mind so seeing that could be like the genesis of like you know all the other functions getting impacted was really good and and then we became firm believers in that because we just saw like how it leads to building a really, really good business. You know, your users are excited, your customers are excited, you know, they are with you in your journey, you are ahead of the market because, you know, they are telling you about their problems first. An interesting parallel I saw was with the open source world, which is, you know, everything is fundamentally open and you are building everything out there in full public view. And I think it's an interesting mix of like transparency and setting the business model up properly with like product-led companies and we are like firm believers in that and i think we are still kind of scratching the surface of like unlocking kind of all the doors i think we are figuring out new ways you know how to communicate to users at scale i'm sure other companies are as well we're figuring out how to scale the support function now and whenever we kind of get the solution done we find out that we are fundamentally better than our competitors and if it's an existing market then you come out with a better product a better sales process a better support process And if you're new to the market, then you just end up owning the market. It's a strong perspective. One of the other opportunities that we've seen for companies that really lean into this approach, whether it was sort of part of the DNA from the beginning or just a core part of the strategy today, is that when one leads the go-to-market with product, you have an opportunity for not just real experimentation, but kind of true data-driven decision-making around, again, not just you know, what are product feature decisions, but product go-to-market decisions. And so I'd love to hear how you think about that and maybe unpack a little bit of, you know, how data-driven decision-making gets done at Postman. We try to kind of get this balance between, uh, I'd say, empathy for our users, and we then try to kind of, you know, quantify the value they're getting or what we believe that they are getting through kind of data So the way we kind of think about it is, you know, whenever we kind of have an assertion or we have like a hypothesis, we write it out, we frame it as a question. You know, the first the question gets propagated within individual teams and then it kind of bubbles up across, you know, other functions or, you know, to higher levels of management. We have a dedicated data science and engineering team whose job is to basically make sure that Every function is, you know, data rich and enabled with data. You know, they effectively look at all these questions and then try to answer them through kind of what is available in kind of our data sets. So typically, you know, data science would be fielding questions from, you know, product or customer success. 
or you know product marketing and we look at okay what are the key metrics that we are tracking are they the right metric you know is that a vanity metric or not i think that's one thing we kind of look at a lot which is you know is it something just kind of making you feel good about yourself or is that something that you can map to you know uh, value so we kind of go through successive iterations of that and what you kind of finding out is that you know like a hypothesis that you had is progressively getting validated and it leads to more answers than you know kind of questions so one example of that is you know at postman we believe that apis form you know relationships of you know three kinds and they form technical relationships they form business relationships and they form people relationships right so that was kind of a hypothesis that we had at pretty much you know the founding of the company but we didn't have like data you know validating that and you know successively we then saw that you know public apis are uh, you know sharing their postman collections and they are being consumed by third party developers and we could see the network forming between you know public apis and developers and then we kind of you know did qualitative studies between you know teams within companies and we saw that you know they are also sharing postman collections and their workflows are kind of tied together in you know what we could picture as a network and we could quantify that you know that's something that our data also started showing we could literally visualize these networks and then other aspects of product building became much easier we could see that people want you know better capabilities around sharing and collaboration and when we did that with this base hypothesis now we could see the product just being used more and more and more and then it led to you know fundamental changes in our business model where you know initially we had like the 30 day trial for collaboration you could use the product individually for free but then we kind of opened it up to all users for free and you could you know invite as many people as you want and you could collaborate up to a certain limit but you know it was free and that led to you know massive increase kind of in our conversions and whatnot so kind of you know that seed was planted like a few years back in a way and then successively we had stronger and stronger hypotheses kind of coming in and at every step you know we we were kind of conscious of like what was the base thing we started with you know did we disprove it or did we validate it did it lead to a good set of next decisions and you know if you could draw a long enough thread then you know that just becomes like <laughs> company canon in a way and people can you know take it as a truth <laughs> that's a really great example i mean as you think through what were either early hypotheses or tests that you'd run where you actually sort of the data and the evolution showed you something pretty different than you expected is there you know one or two of those that stand out to you when you're starting to put together your pricing and packaging you're going to pick like you know what's out there and now we've we kind of you know like the whole great artist steal sort of a thing you know you kind of look at okay what are companies doing right yeah. and your first pricing is like that because you don't know you don't know any better now you know i basically before we had any part of a paid product i just thought of like the highest price point we could place on the product and we just put it out there for our beta users when they were free users and we said you know this is the price point right and i had like because we were also doing support <laughs> we found out you know who was happy and who was unhappy and an interesting thing we saw was that people were not really concerned about the price as such they were concerned about what the price was in comparison to other tools they paid on a self serve basis and we kind of got to like okay you know what are the company of products that we live in those would be like github slack things like that but what we also found out was that you know the high price point was not invalidated we just knew that okay we just have one feature now for which we are charging what we can charge today but in the future if we had more value to give to the user 
they are not concerned about you know the overall price so kind of you know we've kept that hypothesis since kind of that point and you know we have been able to deliver more value and charge at higher amounts successively through the previous few years i think that was very interesting kind of to see these pricing experiments going from like free to paid and that's like i believe a very critical time for a company especially a developer tools company and then the second thing i observed was just like the extent of collaboration and what kind of networks are actually forming between you know companies today and i think it just you know increased my appreciation of like how you know apis are really changing the software landscape i mean i'd say much earlier than the belief was set in others i think we just became very very firm believers much earlier on and then you would think like oh you know everybody thinks you're crazy because <laughs> you know you've seen something that other people don't and we have had several conversations around that then you're like oh my god this is really happening so i think those are two examples i could cite that's exciting and as you think about i know this gets you know a little tactical but the infrastructure whether from a measurement or analytics perspective that you've put in place to help support again sort of the later stages or the data driven decision making part of it you know what's been most critical or are there areas you feel like postman's innovated there that have really created an advantage or supported some of the validation of you know this learning i think there are two aspects to it that we were kind of conscious of very early on that we didn't see other companies or at least our peers do i think the first thing was really owning the data or at least making sure that you know where your data is and you really you know don't have to jump through hoops set up by another vendor to get to it so we built a data infrastructure pipeline we hired data engineers early on we hired data scientists early on and you know at that time i'd say this was like a few years back what data scientists we saw were doing were you know like they would be given something as a model to build and you know people would just expect magical stuff to be coming out of data and that you know doesn't happen you really have to work with them explain them the product and then you really figure out what are the key metrics that you should actually be looking at versus like you could literally drown in data with the amount of you know data that's out there whether you know it's something that you own or you kind of acquire So I think having that consciousness very early on like how we'll set this up and kind of really owning the data helped us a lot. I think the second thing was like everybody talks about a data driven culture about data driven decision making but really people try to prove themselves right versus trying to prove themselves wrong and that was a thing that we set very very early on from the founding team onwards that you know we have a good thing going but let's try to find out like is my hypothesis wrong and where we saw people failing was you know they would put you know data as proof that the thing that they thought was working but they wouldn't really test the negative hypothesis you know it's true right i think a lot of folks use the words experimentation or you know data driven decision making lightly and it's data in support of a predefined conclusion as opposed to actually seeking what's out there and sort of what the right answer is or what the actual response is and so it's you know great to hear that that was something that was going pretty early in what you and the team were doing i guess yeah you know we feel like we had that kind of initial condition you know postman had like half a million users and we could just you know bank off on that initial success and kind of keep going you know when you have nothing then <laughs> you're just trying to prove something and it sets <laughs> and you just you know felt like yeah you know we have an advantage there <laughs> totally i mean as you think all the way back What advice would you give to yourself before beginning the postman journey that you probably wouldn't have listened to then? I think for my previous company I had like a ton of those things, you know, like <laughs> like when things are going well you kind of try to think of was there like something that you would do differently. I think 
I would give this advice to myself that, you know, you really, really have to believe your users and customers before any expert. You know, I thought that, you know, I could, you know, bring in a design expert and then you would make things automatically better. Like kind of I had this notion and I would, you know, give myself that advice that you really have to go by, you know, the value that your users are getting and use that as your compass rather than just taking like, you know, predefined template. I think in the earlier days, I was like, I have the mindset of a developer and I need to complement that, which in general is true. But because this Postman is a developer first product, we have to make sure that the experts we get also think in a developer first mindset. I think I didn't have that baked as much as what I have today, if that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Right, ensuring that the team that you bring together not only has sort of the core underlying skills that you're looking for, but shares a similar philosophy. And in this case, right, a philosophy of sort of deep customer empathy. And as you said, sort of the developer mindset is critical. Maybe taking things in a different direction. You know, obviously you're you know founder and CEO of an incredibly high growth and really successful company. A long way to go, but great progress so far. But as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I got introduced to computers very early on. I wanted to be a programmer, but I actually wanted to design games. And all of the programming I learned was, you know, how to build, you know, Mario or like Prince of Persia, the things that I used to play then. So, <laughs> you know, I played a lot of games and then, you know, wanted to design a lot of games, but that didn't end up happening. But I was very close to computers, thanks to my dad who bought a computer when I was a kid. Oh, that's great. And I think a lot of us get into programming because of games. I actually did originally. You know, funny enough, when I was a kid, it wasn't anything technologically related at all. I was really interested in animals in the natural world and actually wanted to be a herpetologist of all things, someone who studied reptiles out in the field. So I was about 16. That's what I thought I was going to do and like talk my way into working at zoos and stuff. So it was a totally, totally different world. <laughs> You're clearly a builder, right? A builder of products, of technology, of companies. What was the first thing that you designed or built? So I kind of had this homework assignment, which we had to kind of write out and, you know, kind of build like a scrapbook of things. And I ended up building this multimedia experience that could be distributed over CDs and, you know, be used to educate, you know, every person in India about, you know, the mysteries of the universe. And we interestingly chose the matrix as a theme for that. So we kind of, you know, built like soccer's flying around and, you know, you could like read about, you know, each of the planets in the solar system. And if there was a thing as overshooting specifications, then it was that. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Do you still have a copy of that? Because that sounds like that would be very entertaining. <laughs> I'm going to look through my archives here, try to search for it sometimes. I wouldn't be doing podcasts for like an entire year if people saw that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. Abhinav, thank you so much for joining me today on Build. And congrats on what you've built at Postman so far. And can't wait to see what you and the team do from here. Thank you so much, Mackie. It was great being here. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to Build on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite purveyor of podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter 
at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that's read by over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Also, while you're there, check out new content daily on our blog. Until next time, 